Welcome to Dyslexic Life with Joe Reese, the podcast. Week 10, take 5. Yep, it's going to be one of those weeks this week, people. Um, I'm actually feeling much better. Um, nowhere near as full of cold this week. Not quite back to normal, but much, much better. Um, I hope you've all had brilliant weeks. Uh, weather update here, as every time I record it seems to be raining. Uh, today, newsflash, uh, we have snowflakes falling from the sky. Not very many, but definite flakes as opposed to rain. Uh, so let's see what happens there. I'm right down south. So if any of you are listening to this up north in England, you may well have had snow. And I know that we've got worldwide listeners. People listen in Australia, um, in Canada, in America. So good day to you all, wherever you are. So when I started the podcast, one of my reasons for starting it was to just give a really honest account of dyslexia and where it shows up and how it impacts in my everyday life. And that means kind of showing warts and all. Um, And I can't lie, dyslexia has shown up quite a lot in my own life this week. Um, In fact, I could probably do 12 minutes of anecdotes and faux pas, um, but I'll just kind of give you the highlights and pick a couple of them. So the first one is quite ironic, given that last week I talked a lot about masking and with emails, professional emails that I sent to school um, and a handful of other people, I spent a really long time kind of proofing them to make sure they were as right as possible. And I also talked a bit on TikTok and on the podcast last week about organising emails and kind of keeping on top of them. Well, I finally managed to get on top of them on Monday. And some of the reason for that was because um, I spent half an hour in the car waiting to pick a child up. So it was a great time to just work through the last few emails. So it was obviously quite late at night. Again, I also talk about, remember if you said that actually the time of day we do things kind of really matters. Anyway, I decided to kind of like hammer through these last few emails because they quite felt quite easy to sort out. So I did, sent my emails, didn't really spend much time proofreading them, literally just sent them. My main aim really was to clear the, to respond to the emails and clear them as quickly as possible. So did all of that, woke up on Tuesday morning and had a really lovely email. So one of the emails I sent was to Liz, who works for Touch Type Read Spell. And they're a company that I've been doing some work with and I'm going to be continuing to work with in the next couple of months. Um, Touch Type Read Spell is the name of the program. And I'd sent her an email to do with a post that I'm going to be doing on social media in the next couple of weeks. And this is what my email said. Can you point me in directions if a moon with the net of touch typing... I mean, I don't even know how I didn't notice that that didn't make any sense, but basically it didn't. Anyway, I woke up to a very polite email from Liz saying, Hi Joe, hope you're well. Really sorry. Not quite sure what you mean. Um, it could just be me because I'm a bit slow in the mornings and I'm not great in the mornings. But if you could just clarify, that would be great. It was such a polite email. Um, clearly I feel very relaxed with Liz because I felt like I didn't need to uh, proofread and I could send her anything but it just made me chuckle because there's a really good example of what happens if I don't reread an email 
if I'm tired and if it's the wrong time of day. But also if I feel relaxed with you, you could get an email with crazy typos in it. Um, so obviously I sent her an email with what it should have said um, and then it made a much more sense and she was able to help me. But I think that's quite a good example of where it's shown up this week. The other place where it has shown up this week is I often talk about forgetting the thing that we need most um, because of stress with short-term working memory. And on Tuesday, I have a quick mum duty of picking, of preparing some pasta in a pot to take a child from one activity to another activity. Um, So I have to take tea, I have to take a drink and I have to take the dancing bag. So to be fair, my bit's easy. I just have to do tea. Uh, My daughter gets all of her dancing stuff ready. Um, But on Tuesday, I also had my ADHD masterclass. So my head was a very much not on the dance drop-off as I left the house. My head was on what I was going to be doing after that, that actually once I drop her off, that meant that I was free to go home, practice my presentation, this, that and the other. So I get in the car, bearing in mind I've locked up, so I've got the car keys in one hand and I've got the pasta and the her hot chocolate in like balanced on the other hand. So I lock up and I get in the car and I go and pick her up, give my daughter her tea and she's like, mum, where's my dance bag? And I was like, oh, man, I've left it on the bench. And she's like, mum, you have literally walked right past it. And I was was like, yeah, I have. And I looked at it and thought I need to take that with me. But because I was thinking ahead to the ADHD thing, I forgot it. Luckily, we had enough time to go home and get it. But that kind of fits with my theory that I always think if you can't fit what you need in two hands, there's a chance you could forget it. Um... And like I say, my reason why that happened was because my working memory was overloaded. I was anxious. I was thinking ahead to the masterclass in the evening and I just couldn't hold on to all of the information. Um, So that's two places where dyslexia has really shown up in my life this week. And on the ADHD course, it was really, really good. Um, I was really, really pleased with how it went, the ABC um, of ADHD. And thanks very much if you signed up and, and joined us with that. So... One of the things I was most anxious about with that, ironically, was not the presentation. It was the technology around it. So I've shared before that I really don't find technology easy. And for a long time, I used it as a bit of an excuse. And it is a barrier for me. Like at times it stops me from doing things for sure. But I was determined this time I was going to crack the technology Um, so that, and for lots of you, you probably think, oh, that sounds really simple, but you know, it meant automating it so that when people signed up, they automatically got the zoom link to log onto the call. And then after the zoom call, I record it and then you have to upload it to YouTube or a platform somewhere where people can access it. And then you need to email it out to the people that signed up. Now, obviously, you can do all of that manually, but that takes a really long time. And we also know what I'm like for email addresses and typing them in correctly. So we didn't really want to be doing that manually. So I was really proud because with a bit of help from a friend, I managed to uh, automate the whole lot. I didn't go to bed until one o'clock in the morning on Tuesday night because it took forever to upload it to YouTube. But I was really proud that I'd managed to work through that and I'd actually done it in advance. I'd done as much as I could on the Friday in terms of the automation. So that all I had to do on Tuesday um, was literally upload the video to YouTube and then add the link to the email and send the email, which all sounds very simple, but it was quite complicated. So I'm actually quite proud of how I managed to conquer that dyslexic 
barrier, that that barrier that I perceive is there. And actually, we can break it down um, one bit at a time. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about today was noticing dyslexia in other people. So I've talked before about how I've got a bit of a sixth sense and how I think I mentioned it in the podcast last week, how um, somebody had asked me, do I kind of actively look for people with dyslexia or am I in places and do I think "Mm, that person possibly has got dyslexia and actually yes I do Um, it isn't intentional but it's just kind of like ingrained and I for ages I've been trying to work out what it is I look for so that I could like bottle it and share it with people but it really is just a sixth sense and sometimes it's what people don't say as much as what they do say but I've got two really brilliant examples for you So one of the examples is um, one of my daughter's really good friends. And it's actually somebody that I assessed quite a long time ago before my daughter was friends with her. And they are in the musical theatre performing world. And we'd gone to an information evening about the next production that was coming up. And they'd listened for ages and the choreographer was explaining that there was actually quite a lot of tap, but it didn't matter if you didn't do tap um, because he would be able to teach you kind of like the basics as part of it. Um, and that he just wanted really people that could move and that, that could dance. So anyway, so they sat and listened. And then at the end, there was like a Q&A. And um, my daughter's friend put her hand up and basically reiterated everything that the choreographer had said like well I don't tap but I think I can tap and I can do the basics so does that mean that I'm going to be able to audition and the choreographer said well yes that's what I've just said and it caused a bit of a it caused a bit of a chuckle in the room but actually chuckling mostly between me and this daughter's mum because that is a classic dyslexic trait when we really want to feel like we've understood something it may sound like we're repeating everything back to somebody and like we almost haven't been listening we have been listening what we're trying to do is make sure that we understand and can make sense so that we've got the best chance of getting things right And the reason why we chuckled was because we were actually really proud that she had the confidence and felt brave enough to ask the question. Um, But that is a really classic dyslexic trait, kind of almost repeating a whole instruction back to check for clarification. So if you're not dyslexic and that happens, have patience. It's not that we haven't been listening. We just really want to understand and we want to make sure we deliver what you need. The other place that it showed up was again in the musical theatre world. So my other daughter was in a production um, last weekend. She was Nativity. I talked about that um, last week. And I chaperoned backstage for one performance. I've got a chaperone licence, so it means I get to chaperone backstage. And there were some really quick changes. Now, quick changes are always a time when I can spot people that have got processing difficulties or people that just struggle with short-term working memory. One of the reasons being sometimes they haven't actually got everything that they've needed kind of out and ready. Another being just their organisation around it can kind of be quite chaotic. Another kind of sign I look for is anxiety because they're worried they haven't got any concept of time. They're worried that they're not going to be able to do it quickly enough. Um, and they sort of almost almost panic. Um, sometimes they become quite confrontational and kind of 
snap fingers and kind of click at you, demanding you to do instructions. But it's basically because they're in fight or flight because they're worried that they're not going to do it kind of like quickly enough. Um, And I think I spotted a couple of kids that have potentially got difficulties with processing or dyslexia. Um, So actually, after kind of noticing that, at the end of the performance... I kind of said to the girls, right, this is the strategy that I'm going to give you for tomorrow night to try and help you with that with that change. So I gave them a box um, and said to them, you know, put all of your stuff that you're going to need in that box separately. Take it up with you up with you where you go, like kind of like lay it all out if you need to. So you can literally just step into it. I said, and then you're in control of it and you know that it's there. But I said, the other thing is. I said, when you take your costume off, you can put all of your bits of costume and your quick change back in that box so that you know you've got it, can take it back to your dressing room and can sort it out when you've got a bit more time rather than leaving it somewhere. Um, But yeah, it's it's quite interesting how I kind of do spot children. And I know some of you are going to say, do I point it out to parents? Sometimes I do if I feel like it's appropriate to have a conversation with the parent. Sometimes I don't because it really isn't appropriate because I don't know the child. I don't know the context of what's going on. And it's really just kind of like a, a, a guess, really. It's no formal assessment, is it? It's just a guess. But what I always do is notice that somebody might be struggling with something. And if I notice they struggle and I can think of a strategy to help them, I share a strategy to try and help them with that. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether they're dyslexic or not. If I can put a strategy in place that can lessen their anxiety so that they can focus on what they're doing and it be a bit more enjoyable anymore, why wouldn't I share that? Anyway, It seems that this is once again the longest podcast ever. I've got to 13 and a half minutes. Um, Those are all the things on my list I wanted to talk to you about this week. Um, If you're new to following the podcast, please do drop us a follow. Go back and listen to previous episodes. Um, But really, all that is left for me to say is have a great week. And don't forget to always look on the dyslexic side of life. Have a great week, people.